lead. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but naturalism wins in a half. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. Royal Randwick on Saturday, February 11th will host four important stakes races. The Group 2 Apollo Stakes and the Group 2 Light Fingers will be supported by the Group 3 Southern Cross and the Group 3 Triscay Stakes. The Apollo Stakes, inaugurated in 1977, has launched the autumn campaigns of some great horses. Winks won it three times, Sunline twice and Juggler twice. Other luminaries to win the 1400 metre wait for age feature include Grand Army, Private Steer, Lonro, Naturalism, Bozam and Emancipation. Another feature on the day will be the fifth running of the English Millennium, a $2 million race for English sales graduates. Castel Vecchio staged a freakish performance to win the first millennium in 2019, followed by Prime Star, Profiteer and the Philly Extravagant Star. One week later, February the 18th, Rosehill Gardens will host the Group 2 Hobartville Stakes, the Group 2 Silver Slipper and the Group 2 Millie Fox for fillies and mares. It's all happening in Sydney Racing every Saturday right through to the Championships on the 1st and 8th of April. At 46 years of age, Jason Warren is firmly entrenched among Victoria's most respected trainers after a long and happy journey from a childhood dominated by horses in the famous New South Wales Sapphire Coast township of Bega. Young Jason gained his early experience in pony club, show jumping and camp drafting and quickly earned recognition as a breaker of young horses. He was 18 in 1994 when he landed a job as a breaker at Shipton Lodge, which was then owned by retired bookmaker Bruce McHugh. After a valuable five-year stay at Cobbardy, he moved to the Hardwick Stud at Yass and followed that with a two-year stint at Eliza Park in Victoria. In the year 2000, he felt confident enough to go solo, training a small team of racehorses and breaking and pre-training from a property at Mooraduck. Keen to learn the finest of fine points about racehorse training, he disbanded that little business and took on a foreman's role at the Friedman Brothers' famous Mark Dell training property near Rye, a decision he's never regretted. Subsequent years have seen Jason Warren make his mark as the trainer of outstanding performer Bell Sprinter and several other quality horses. He's dabbled in real estate on the Mornington Peninsula and has overcome a couple of hefty bumps on the road of life. He's currently working a team of 37 at Mornington, including a couple he's pretty excited about. Let's welcome Jason Warren to the podcast. Morning, John. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. I was watching the races on Sky One the other day, a Sandown Wednesday meeting, and I saw a three-year-old filly called Benedetta from your stable win a race with ridiculous ease. She looks pretty promising. 
Yes, John, I think she's a uh, black-type performer in waiting and she's uh, showing um, above-average ability and to put a, uh, a, a city win uh, on the board uh, at only a third start, uh, she looks progressive, so uh, she's an exciting filly uh, to have in the stable, that's for sure. Long way to go yet, but there's a bit of a buzz about her, isn't there? Yeah, she did win with, uh, like as you mentioned, uh, with ease, and uh, she idled up to the leaders, and uh, and and she hadn't even been asked the, to quicken by uh, Daniel Stackhouse. So uh, when she when she let go, she she really showed a good turn of foot. So uh, we'll have to see if she can if she can bring that. Uh, sort of performance when she hits a stronger grade, but um, she's certainly going the right way. You've uh, given her a little break, have you? I've uh, actually just kept her ticking along. There was a, there was a race at uh, Sandown Saturday of next week that was a little bit too good to pass up, uh, a nice restricted three-year-old fillies uh, race for 150000 So um, I think we'll, we'll run her there and then look to give her a short let-up before the um, – Autumn races start to really ramp up. You've got a similar buzz about Grand Piero, who was raced by one of the Grand Syndicates. He won the Geelong Classic in the spring, and he actually ran in the Derby, Jason, but nothing went right. Yeah, he drew uh, drew poorly in Derby, John, and um, and they only went at a moderate tempo. Uh, so he ended up back in the field, and and he made really good ground, but. Um, it was a it was a pretty wet day as well, and um, and he, he we were very confident that the horse wouldn't handle the wet track, but he um, he's sort of shown that in in earlier in his preparation. So uh, when he, when the rain came and we drew poorly, we were up against it. But um, you, you've got to take your place in those Group One fields when you get when you have the opportunity, and mm. and the horse acquitted himself well. I think he's got a really good future. You won a race at Mornington on the 22nd of January, the Sunday meeting, with a horse called Tax-Free Profit. He's a bit older. He's a five-year-old, another grand syndicate horse. But he's going well. He's won a couple on the trot. He's probably not finished yet. No, he actually won um, quite impressively Sunday just gone. So uh, he's won again since then. Uh, Yeah, so um, he's he's going the right way, that horse. and. we added blinkers to his gear at his most re- recent run, and and I feel that he he lifted the um the bar, so to speak, and uh, mm. and and did a good job in winning. So uh, I think he's got a at least a um, midweek level win in him, and uh, hopefully it's not too far away. Coming up three years ago, you sold your wonderful Deniston Park training property on the peninsula to Barbara and Barry Saunders. It's a 70-acre, two-track training operation which was simply becoming too big for you to manage. Training 50 horses at the time it was, uh, and trying to run the property was too much. Yeah, it was a big job and um, the opportunity to uh, sell to Barb and Barry and still um, continue to be part of the uh, part of the um, uh, training um uh, people on on the property. Mm. Uh, I took that opportunity. Uh, Barb and Barry were very keen to have me stay on, and uh, and I took that uh, option to sell on, sell the property and and take a, um, a foot off the pedal, as so to speak, as far as uh, main, maintenance and um, 
and the the big job that taking care of a seventy acre pro- training property is. So uh, it's worked out really well as I still have horses uh, in work at Deniston Park and uh, and we work very closely with Barb and Barry. It's good. Mm. Well, in more recent times, you've purchased ten acres right on the Mornington Racecourse, where you keep about sixteen horses. And it is literally across the road from Deniston Park. So you're working between one and the other. Yes, that's right. They're both properties complement each other, and uh, and you see this success with um, a, a bigger operation in the Freedman Stable. They've got a, a property uh, on close to the track at Mornington in in uh, Pinecliff, and they also have uh, stables on track at Flemington. And and just having the uh, ability to switch horses from stables on track to a property off track it really benefits uh, complements the the training and um, it works it's working really well mm. well we've established where you are and what you're doing let's find out now how you got there you were born 46 years ago in Bega, lovely little town on the new south wales south coast famous for its dairy industry and that amazing cheese factory I called the races there two or three times years ago, Jason, on that tiny, narrow, turning little race course, which has long been superseded by the Sapphire Coast Track. Do you remember the old track? Yes, John. I uh, I cut my teeth riding track work at, at that track down by the uh, Bega River, mm. and uh, it used to flood it, go underwater every time we had a bit of rain. It was a uh, yeah. in a low lying area, but uh, as you said, it was a tight turning track. And I f- first uh, experienced how fast racehorses could really go when um, I had a had one get away on me there one day, <laughs> and oh, I did I a couple imagine. did a couple of laps uh, as I was learning. But uh, it was a uh, eye opener, and it didn't um, didn't. T- deter me from um, proceeding in in the racing industry, that's for sure. You started in Pony Club at a very early age. You dabbled in show jumping and camp drafting and it became obvious way back then that you had a natural gift for mouthing and breaking horses. It just happened. Yes, I, I, my uncle Raymond uh, Warren, he... Uh, he was a, a very well-respected um, horsebreaker. So was my other uncle, Mick Otten. Uh, my mum's family is the Otten family, and uh, mm. uh, Warrens and Ottens are uh, pretty much rife through uh, Bega and uh, uh, well-respected horse families. And uh, I sort of learnt what I could off uh, Mick and and my uncle Ray, and uh, and then forged my own uh, path uh, from there, Mm. yeah. Well, Mum and Dad had no interest in racing, nor did your two siblings, one brother and one sister, and that probably explains why you went to work as a breaker long before you ever thought about working in racing. How did that job at Shipton Lodge come up? Look, uh, Jamie Coman... um, He's a well-respected uh, World Cup show jumper and and coach. Uh, gave me the opportunity uh, coming from Bega Valley and um, friends of friends uh, knew Jamie and uh, Julie Matthews uh, put me in touch with uh, 
with Jamie and uh, he got me up breaking in with him in Sydney and um, I was very green kid just leaving uh, home for the first time and and uh, with the help of Tony Hall and Roy Davis they shaped me as a into you know into the put me in the right path and 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 learning the craft so to speak mm. well you were obviously happy at Shipton Lodge because you stayed 5 years then you decided on a change and you took a job at the Hardwick Stud at Yass. That's the place where the Friedman brothers grew up. But at the time you went there, I think it was owned by Philippa Duncan, who was still very much active in the horse breeding business. That's right, yeah. I was, uh, Philippa uh, had some horses that were being prepared to uh, travel to Singapore for, for sale. Uh, mm. Her daughter, Tori, was running the... Uh, property at the time and Tori had a uh, little baby and was unable to uh, travel the horses herself so I took the opportunity to uh, travel the horses for them and um, yeah it was an eye-opening experience first time I'd ever been on a plane was um, when I uh, got on a cargo plane with uh, with horses and traveled to Singapore so um, yeah, very much an eye-opener for a young country lad. Yeah. Was it perhaps your very first flight? That was my very first flight with a horse plane, yeah. <laughs> so, well, what an adventure. It really was, yeah, and to um, to travel to Singapore, which was um, – it's a beautiful country and um, I guess we were very well cared for and over there and you just um, learn learn a different way of life and, and, and get to experience the wide world, yeah. Well, you've got itchy feet again. And uh, you couldn't resist the temptation when a job offer came up at Eliza Park Stud in Victoria. You stayed two years. Happy days? Yes, it was um, It was great uh, opportunity at Eliza Park. Uh, Lee McKenzie was managing the property at the time and Lee is a um, is quite a go-getter and, um, and I learnt uh, further about um, buying and selling horses and... Um, uh, not just the breaking in, that was sort of part of my uh, role at Eliza Park, but uh, more so just managing um, an operation that uh, Eliza Park was quite a big operation at the time. And um, I wasn't, though I wasn't the manager, I was helping uh, as part of the management team and uh, and I learned a lot more there. Um, it was a good opportunity to get a bit closer to uh, the heart of uh, racing in in the Melbourne Cup, and uh, you know it was a, a big opportunity to get a bit closer to um, the action, uh, so to speak. Mm. Well, all of a sudden you felt the urge to give this training caper a crack. You set up shop at a place called Mooraduck on the Mornington Peninsula. You had a few racehorses, you had a few breakers, and a few pre-trainers. All of a sudden, young Jason Warren. He's out on his own. Pretty scary stuff. Yeah, look, I was I was very well supported by Robert Ralston and John Stewart, uh, two uh, local guys in Mornington, and um, Rob is a uh, well-renowned bloodstock agent, and and with the support of Rob and uh, and John, they basically set me up and, and got me doing um, preparing horses for them, and um, 
and it was a great opportunity to uh, get my own own uh, business operating in in, mm. in the long term. Yeah, you got hold of a mare called Oro's Gift. She was no world beater, obviously, but you've never forgotten her. She was your first winner in a race at Mornington. She only raced nine times, and that was her only win, Jason. And you've never yes. forgotten it. No, it was a uh, it was a, a steep learning curve. Um, John Stewart gave me two uh, fillies to educate for him, uh, and Oro's Gift was my first jump out winner, mm. and. Um, and John said, look, you're doing a good job with her. Why don't you keep going? And uh, we gave her two starts and um, and at her third start she broke her maiden and it was a, a very exciting day for us, yeah. Mm. Well, what happened then? Did you suddenly feel the need to further explore the finer points of feeding and training and placing horses because uh, – Next thing we know, you're at Mark Dell, the Freedman's property at Rye. Yeah, I felt uh, if I'm going to make a real go of training, I needed to learn how just to give myself the confidence to, uh, to that I'm training the horse as well. I'd been doing it for many years and quite capable, capably, mm. but I just felt that um, – just to, just to go to that next level, I really needed to have a little bit more of a CV. So I went and uh, worked for Lee and Anthony at Mark Dell, and it was a good time to be there, and uh, and I learned a hell of a lot while I was there. Mm, well, the, the operation had one amazing year while you were at Mark Dell. 2005, Maccabi Diva won her third cup, she must have had a commanding presence around the place, did she? Yeah, she um, – I got – when I first started, she'd just won her second Melbourne Cup and um, and I got to see the transformation in her over the next 12 months. She'd uh, – she went into the uh, Cox Plate, I remember, uh, where I was out picking horses and Lee was giving um, – Maccabi a pick and she just looked like a uh, a Mally bull like uh, she a beast. she just absolute beast and mm. uh, when she went to that Cox Plate and it was an amazing race when they were you know about 15 16 wide on the home corner and um, and her chiming in out wide and and she was never going to get beat that day it wouldn't have mattered what horses turned up she was just she just had a real presence about a Maccabi and and she was trained to the minute, uh, felt that Lee and Anthony did a, a magnificent job with her. She had, um, you know, she didn't have the best feet, and um, but she, they got uh, her to the races sound every time and, and did a great job with her. And it was a good opportunity for, for me to watch on and, and see how these top-level horses are trained and... Um, and and I think it's uh, it's about the motor that the horses have got in them. If they're if they're well fed and well cared for, it's up to the horse, isn't it? Mm. Was she pleasant to be around, Jason? Yeah, Good nature. She, she was pleasant to be around. Uh, she was a she was a business business lady, you know. Like she mm. didn't she she didn't need any of the fluffing around uh, no. done with her, but she was get on with the job and, and leave her alone. But yeah. uh, she was, was very pleasant. Mm. That same year, they also won the derby with Benicio 
written by the charismatic Noel Callow. Yes, he was uh, he was an, uh, a bit of an enigma, uh, Benicio. He, he was bred to be a golden slipper winner mm. and uh, I think he was out of, out of a mare that won a golden slipper or placed in a golden slipper and uh, by more than ready, which is a well-known speed stallion. Mm. And... Uh, and he was running these blistering sectionals in in his um in these races, short races, and he was finishing, you know, eight out of nine, five out of six, sort of thing. And mm. he's finishing out at, at the back at each time, but always finishing really well. And uh, Lee and Anthony decided to stretch him out, and it wasn't until uh, he got to the um, Amy Vars that he really hit the line and ran third well and. Mm. And did a good job, and and um, he was one of those tough horses that copped a lot of work, and um, and just to see the work that and the foundation that they put into Benicio to then mm. stretch him out to that Derby, mm. um, he had the miles in his legs, and um, and and he had a, a really good base of fitness, and and you can see how um, he was dominant that day. Yeah, it was good, good to see. The Freedmans completed an amazing carnival that year by also winning the Oaks with a great filly called Serenade Rose. Stephen King rode her. Yes, that was right. She was a, a little bit of a plain Jane in the yard, you might say. She was sort of um, a slender filly that um, there were much better looking fillies in the yard, but uh, she certainly had the uh, will to win and... Um, and just the uh, aerobic engine that uh, you've got to have for those um, staying races, and mm-hmm. she uh, she just sort of put a hand up um, once she got out to sixteen hundred and and really identified herself as a as a progressive filly, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, she was she was dominant and uh, winning the Oaks, yeah. And she butted up in Sydney the following autumn, and won the Australian Oaks at Randwick. Yes, she does. She did a super job, and and look, a lot of Oaks fillies don't uh, train on, but she went and did the job in Sydney, and um, great um, training effort. I feel that uh, to keep her up in in such good order. Mm. Now, Jason, what happened after that? You finished your time at Mark Dell. What was the next move? Uh, I went back. Uh, I already had purchased a property uh, before moving to Mark Dell for to break in and pre-train from and uh, I went back to that property I had it leased out the whole time I was with with Lee and Anthony mm-hmm. and uh, started a, the, my training operation again I just started with two horses and and uh, Lee and Anthony gave me 10 pre-trainers so oh, my business business was off and running um, pretty quick and um, basically got um, got rolling from there and uh, pretty much uh continued to build the business over the, the coming years. A Bianconi mare called Rhythm in Paris was pretty special to you back then. She won four from eight, but most importantly, she was your first stakes winner. She won the Cockrum Stakes Group 3 with Ben Mellom on board, a jockey you've continued to use frequently. Yeah, Ben uh, Ben and I have had a great association and that was our uh, first big win together. Uh, she was uh, another horse owned by John Stewart, who uh, kicked me kicked me off uh, early doors, and um, 
she was an exciting mare with a big turn of foot, and unfortunately, she um, she had to have some surgery and didn't come out of that surgery at a later stage real well, and um, and we retired her. But uh, she she had a, a lot of ability and. Um, was a very exciting day, that first stakes winner, that's for sure. Oh, even earlier than Rhythm in Paris, Viking Turf Bell was a nice mare for you. She won a couple at Mooney Valley and, and she won another one at Sandown. Yes, yeah, she's owned by a good friend of mine, Alex Cartel, and uh, Alex and I catch up uh, even now from time to time and um, he's, a, he's a great guy and uh, he... he Bought that mare himself, and uh, and she started her career with the Hazers, and and moved across to me once. Um, she's probably a little still still learning, but um, mm. established. So it was very exciting to have a nice horse like her to uh, to train. A horse called Free Return was a ripper for the stable. Now you got him second hand, and you won ten with him, including six in the city. That doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't happen very often. He's a lovely horse and um, very kind-natured horse. That uh, yeah, he'd, he'd had a few starts before he got to us. I think he won his uh, maiden for us at his first start uh, at Bendigo, and I he put a real um, string of wins together. Free return. He's uh, he's a real honest. Trier, and uh, we placed him very well, and and he did a good job in winning ten races. So, yeah, very good for the stable. We'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast, Jason. When yep. we come back, we're going to pay homage to a sprinter who put you on the map, so to speak. Back with Jason Warren after this. Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance by stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed. You might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bins. Correct nutrition helps race horses to deal with the stresses of racing and training. It helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race and most importantly, helps them to bounce back after the event. Pride's Easy Performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health. Pride's Easy Performance, the complete nutritional feed for equine performance athletes. A horse called Bell Sprinter came into your life. Now, let's go back a little bit. You trained his mother, didn't you, Gav Roche? Was she a bleeder? Yes, uh, she was a bleeder, and um, she did come to me. Um, she'd sort of had a few chances with um, with Lee and Anthony, and the owner's group decided to give me a go with her, and mm. she was one of the uh, first horses that I got to train when I first started training um, after resuming and um, she'd only had I think one start for me and and had a bleed and we retired her but uh, I did organize the um, mating with Bella Spree for the the connections Mm. and uh, it was a uh, obviously a very good mating yeah. 
You can say that again. <clears throat> His first Group 1 came in the autumn of 2013. The race was the Galaxy, over 1,100 metres on a good track at Rose Hill. Karen McAvoy had the ride. He hadn't raced for five months, and he'd had the first of two wind operations. Now, to add to your worries, Jason, he walked out of the gates. He was a clear last away. Yeah, he'd, look, he'd uh, shown really good uh, ability from the first day we, we did any faster work, John, and um, he broke his maiden at Mornington in a... a um, a blistering type of win that uh, he overcome problems in, in, you know, setbacks in the race mm. and still won dominantly. And uh, I think he was about a dollar eighty favourite that day. And uh, I was very nervous. And uh, he, he, he won a good number of lead up races and um, he developed a habit of, of being slow away from the barriers. Mm. And, uh, he was clearly three lengths slow away from the gates in the Galaxy. And as we know, it's an 1,100-metre sprint race and it's a bad way to start a, a sprint race, that's for sure. Mm. And it wasn't as though he took shortcuts in the race. He was four or five deep on the home turn. Karen pulled him to the extreme outside. I had a look at the replay again the other day, Jason, and... I was gobsmacked at the way he let down from the 200. Only top-class horses can do what he did on the day. Yeah, we, we were confident the horse was going very well. I gave him a trial at Randwick uh, the week before and Hugh Bowman rode him and um, and that just cleaned, cleaned his wind up, so to speak, and... Mm. Um, his, his fitness, I felt, was very close to the mark and he just had that really clear eye. He was healthy and in the coat and he was fit and, and a happy horse that could – being a um, bad-winded horse, he was sort of all, always plagued by um, not being able to get enough air in. Mm. But uh, as, you, as you mentioned, the, he had throat surgery and – he was able to breathe really well and um, everything lined up. Unfortunately, Hugh was uh, unable to ride him because he only had uh, 54 kilos, I think, uh, when he won the Galaxy. And mm. Yeah, geez, he, he let go when he got to the outside. And, oh, that was um, amazing. He, mm. he re yeah, he, he, re he rounded up a, um, a filly that Gerald Bryan was um, training at, at the time that um, uh, I think she went on and won a Group 1. Um, her name escapes me at the moment, but mm, me uh, too. Mm. yeah, but look, he, he beat a good quality field and, and that it's an exciting race, the Galaxy, 1100 metres and at Rose Hill and being a bigger boy, uh, it was nice to win my first group one in, in New South Wales, that's for sure. Well, he followed that with a third to Black Caviar and Hay List in the TJ Smith. He was beaten a fair way admittedly, but he went well enough to get a Guernsey in the Chris Flyer International in Singapore. What a thrill. Yeah, it was a great thrill. And uh, we we took the horse across there and, and he really did well in um, in Singapore. Like, he was a free sweater. But uh, I think that from what I've been told from the local trainers in Singapore that you don't um, – long as you're keeping the electrolytes up to the horses that um, if they sweat, it's a good thing. 
it's the ones that don't sweat are the is, is the ones that you get get more concerned about. And he's a real mm. free sweating horse. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, he he did really well in Singapore and um, it was an exciting um, effort. Hugh Hugh Bowman was able to ride him that night, and um, yeah, he 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 ran into a very good one from Hong Kong called Lucky Nine and. Uh, mm. Casper Founds trains him, and he's a uh, he's a good mate of mine now. Casper, mm. uh, we got to know each other in Singapore when he when he knocked us off, and um, yeah, we ran second in that Group One, which was a, a really um, satisfying effort. I just thought of the uh, Gerald Ryan train filly that ran second to you in the Galaxy. It was Snitzerland. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and she went on to win a. Um, I think she won a Sangster. Mm. In Adelaide, but uh, I, she did win a Group One. I think it might have been the Sangster. Yeah. Mm. Now, in the Chris Flyer, he got a decent old bump too in the straight, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Look, he was a horse that would run into a bit of trouble because his pattern was to get back and and flash home. Uh, he did get a decent bump, and it probably did cost him going close to winning. I can't say that we would have beat Lucky Nine, but. Um, yeah, it, you know, it was a rough rough sort of race, but these group ones at that higher level and everyone's trying their best and um, they can be a bit rough. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot of water flowed under the bridge, Jason, between the Singapore race and his next win, but there were issues in between. In fact, he required a second respiratory operation. Yeah, he had a tie-back. Uh, surgery, which the first surgery was a uh, the vocal folds, but were lasered back. And his second surgery was a more aggressive type surgery. It was a tie back, and um, it's probably a, a surgery that um, that has been performed um, a lot more recently with more more success. But the tie backs um, are not necessarily a successful surgery. But uh, he came out and won his uh, a Group Two at Caulfield on Caulfield Cup Day at um, first up, and uh, it was a really good win. In um, he dead heated dead, in that, didn't he? Dead heated, yeah. With uh, with Peter Snowden's filly at the time, um, Miracles of Life. Mir- miracles of Life, yeah. Mm. So she uh, started her career in Adelaide. Yeah. Mm. Well, he didn't win again in five runs after the Caulfield Sprint, and he was retired with a record of eight wins and well over a million dollars. He was a very classy horse, Jason. And that yeah. Galaxy win, you know, for racing aficionados, just Google it up and have another look at it. The 2013 Galaxy, that was the work of an outstanding horse. Yeah, he was a great horse to our stable and um, helped, very much helped establish um, our, our team as it is today. A couple of years after Bell Sprinter, you had a horse called Baron Archer who required tie-back surgery again. Now, immediately after the operation, obviously, he went out for a long spell and you forgot to tell the stewards about the surgery. And by the time he was ready to race again, the whole thing had gone out of your mind. Then things got ugly. He ran third of five runners at Echuca and subsequent investigation revealed that somebody had backed him heavily on Betfair to get beaten. 
Now, your oversight, and that's what it was, a pure oversight, caused you great grief. Yes, I, uh, I've, I've put new procedures in place ever since that day. And, uh, <laughs> I'll bet you if a horse, yeah, If a horse has any surgery at all, we, uh, we forward that uh, surgery report straight to the stewards. And um, they're then, uh, whether the horse has a, has a, a short break or a, or a long spell, mm. in Baron Archer's case, he had a long spell, yeah. uh, they've already been notified and it doesn't ever become a problem. But uh, that was an oversight that um, I, at the time, was unaware of. And um, it, it came back to bite me on the uh, bum, so to speak. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and and it was a very expensive mistake, but uh, it was a hefty a steep, fine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a hefty fine and um, a steep learning curve. Mm. Are you at liberty to tell us what it cost you? Yeah, it was a sixteen thousand dollar fine, John. So oh, yeah. uh, not like I have that in my top drawer. Uh, so <laughs> no. yeah, a bit of a bit of a setback in the uh, finances, but uh, anyway, uh, you you live and learn, as they say. So it is true then that any time one of your horses nowadays has any kind of surgery at all, you send the stewards 29 emails. Oh, yeah, it's just as soon as the post-surgery report comes through, it's sent straight on to the uh, <laughs> yeah. stewards and um, and it's not something that I have to worry about when they, they come back racing next prep, you know. It's sort of mm. you're not thinking about what happened last prep more so uh, than, you know, I – I don't like looking in the revision mirror. I like to look out mm. the front. So um, look forward and, um, yeah, I can concentrate on the job at hand. You've always said that Brooklyn Hustle is second only to Bell Sprinter as the best you've trained. Her record says she won only four races from 27 starts, but it should be a lot better than that. Some of her runs at top level were outstanding. The Oakley Plate was a good case in point when she ran fourth. Yeah, that that one still still stings a bit, John. Uh, she she drew a wide barrier and um, and got held up for about two hundred meters, and in an eleven hundred meter race, it, that's quite a lot. Mm. She was probably beaten three quarters of a length and ran fourth. That's, she was very unlucky, and uh, and I feel that she was trained to the minute that day and. Uh, you know that's probably the one that got away for us, and mm. she she did um, she did deserve to win a group one, but um, she was uh, she was a you know an exciting mare that um, you know gave us a lot of pleasure. Yeah, she did win a group three at Morfordville and a group two at Eagle Farm, but I think it's fair to say she should have a, a group one on her yep. CV. You tell me she's got a positive test to Zoo Star. Jason, that's, his progeny sold like hotcakes on the Gold Coast. Yeah, well, uh, a, a zoo star foal out of that, out of Brooklyn Hustle, I'd say, will be uh, well, well sought after, mm. and uh, can only hope that um, I get the opportunity to train a foal out of Brooklyn, and she's one of a, our stable favourites, and um, certainly one of my favourites. Yeah. Eureka Street has done a nice job. Several city wins and about four hundred thousand in prize money. You'd like another half a dozen of them. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a great soldier. Uh, Eureka Street. He's uh, he's had uh, two tendon injuries throughout his career, and um, 
through a great uh, deal of rehabilitation and um, and efforts from a number of people. Uh, he's been back to the races. He, he ran uh, as recent as last weekend and he's probably a third or fourth up type horse that uh, once he gets out to 2,000 metres, he'll be ready to win again. And he, um, he tends to win a city race every prep and um, he's owned by Barb and Barry Saunders who, um, you know, it's great to have a, have a nice um, uh, like soldier in the trenches with him, that's for sure. Yeah. One of our valued website sponsors is Pride's Easy Feed, who look after a lot of trainers around Australia, and you happen to be one of their very satisfied customers. You're a fan of a Pride's product called Racing Cube. Yes, John, we've moved onto, um, onto the Racing Cubes probably about six weeks ago, and... Uh, We've had a great deal of uh, success since making that change. So uh, really pleased with uh, Prides. And uh, not only the racing cubes, they've got uh, a number of other feeds that uh, work well for us. And, um, yeah, we've we've started the uh, new year off with a bang and uh, we've already had six winners so far. So uh, we're going well. You tell me you're actually training a horse or you will be training a horse for the Pride family in the near future. He's by Seamus Award, who never stops getting winners. Horses like Dewis and Incentivise and Mr Quickie and you name it. Media Award was another one of South Australian Oaks. Yes, uh, Alex Rooney found uh, found the Seamus Award for uh, for the Pride family and uh, and it's very good of them to give me the opportunity to train him for them. And uh, Seamus Award's absolutely flying at the moment. He's... Uh, He's doing such a great job, and and Rosemont, who I work in closely with, um, Rosemont Stud, have got him standing down there, and um, he's been very well supported and uh, well found in the um, in the sales ring. So um, good to um, have a nice nice colt by him to uh, come into the stable. You're the proud dad of two young daughters, who've inherited the equine bug. They both have ponies, which, in order to offset rising rental costs are conveniently accommodated at your place. They belong to Chloe, who's 14, and Charlotte, who's 12. Yeah, we've also got another little one called Cassia. So uh, she's six and uh, she's also got a pony. So oh, the, three, the three Cs and, uh, yeah, they, uh, they definitely keep me uh, busy, that's for sure. And Yasmin, mother of the girls, lives not too far away and she keeps a close eye on their progress. Yes, Yasmin, their, their girl's mum, uh, lives in uh, Mount Martha. So, uh, yeah, quite close by and uh, it makes it very easy for the girls to come and ride their ponies all the time, yeah. Daniel Stackhouse rides a lot for the stable, Jason. We were talking about him earlier on Benedetta. Rides well. He does, yeah. Well, um, he's got his uh, work cut out for us on Saturday. He's going to be riding confrontational in the... Uh, a race there at Mooney Valley is drawn very awkwardly and uh, the horse is going very well. So uh, we'll have to see if he can work some magic there. So uh, as uh, uh, jockeys are, are like that, a trainer, in they're only as good as their last winner. So uh, it's a it's a hard game and um, I'd like to see uh, Daniel get the win for us on uh, Saturday, that's for sure. 
And Jamie Carr is on your list of go-to jockeys. Yeah, Jamie uh, Jamie does ride a bit for us and uh, she's a close friend and um, we catch up uh, regularly and um, she, her riding, uh, no need to uh, go into how well she can ride. She's doing such a great job for a number of stables, so uh, we're lucky enough to be able to get her help from time to time. You'd have to line up, wouldn't you, join the queue if you're after Jamie Carr's services? Yeah, look, she's uh, she's highly sought after at the moment and um, she's uh, doing a great job, as I say. And, um, yeah, we we she she lives in Mornington as well and, um, you know, we get to see each other a bit and um, I guess we're happy to always help each other out. Good. Those days at the Little Pony Club ground at Wollumla must seem a hell of a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. It's uh, I don't uh, get home very often, but uh, it was a it was a great place to start um, learning about um, you know caring for horses and and uh, and how to ride and and everything from there was at Wollumla Pony Club. It's it's still going now, and um, yeah, it's a good good spot to grow up. That's for sure. The former legendary sports commentator, the recently retired Ray Warren, has carried the nickname of Rabbit for most of his life. And you tell me you've worn the same nickname for most of your life. Does that still apply? Yeah, Be- Benny Mellum, uh, another good mate of mine, uh, nicknamed me Rabbits uh, very <laughs> from the moment we started spending time with each other and uh, yeah it's pretty much stuck and um, yeah anyway I'll get called rabbits a fair bit which is which is which is good I'll mention that to our rabbit because he'll <laughs> yes. be he'll be very pleased to learn that somebody else has to suffer <laughs> that's right yes okay well thanks for joining us Jason uh, congratulations on all you've done you're in the box seat now at 46 years of age it's certainly all ahead and uh, I hope another two or three Bell Sprinters come into the stable in the very near future. Lovely to talk on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks for your time. Great, John. Appreciate your time. Royal Randwick on Saturday, February 11th, will host four important stakes races. The Group 2 Apollo Stakes and the Group 2 Light Fingers will be supported by the Group 3 Southern Cross and the Group 3 Trisco Stakes. The Apollo Stakes, inaugurated in 1977, has launched the autumn campaigns of some great horses. Winx won it three times, Sunline twice and Juggler twice. Other luminaries to win the 1400 metre wait for age feature include Grand Army, Private Steer, Lonrow, Naturalism, Bozam and Emancipation. Another feature on the day will be the fifth running of the Inglis Millennium, a $2 million race for Inglis sales graduates. Castelvecchio staged a freakish performance to win the first millennium in 2019, followed by Prime Star, Profiteer and the Philly Extravagant Star. One week later, February the 18th, Rosehill Gardens will host the Group 2 Hobartville Stakes, the Group 2 Silver Slipper and the Group 2 Millie Fox for fillies and mares. It's all happening in Sydney Racing every Saturday right through to the Championships on the 1st and 8th of April.